Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Uh, Welcome to a rather brisk Sunday morning. Not going to get much out of the 40s today, if we get out of the 40s at all. Uh, The nice thing is, is the freezes are... um, There's no planned freezes between now and Saturday. It'll be cold. It'll be, you know, less than 50 in many times. But that's fine. It's not freezing weather. So that gives us a break, hopefully, on the power bill. Not having to run the heater so much. In the uh, better part of the weather though this may be a little debatable, we have rain. We have a really solid prediction of some rain. Enough rain and rapid enough that you need to pay attention. The flash flood warnings will be coming when we start raining. Now... Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Sorry for the confusion there, folks. Had a technical problem, but we're back in business here. Um, The weather today is going to be real cold and dreary. This is a sit in front of the TV and watch football games today or... Cuddle up in a comfortable chair with your cat or dog and get a good book and uh, kind of lazy day today. Probably not a good gardening day. Not impossible, of course. Uh, You know, we have people who will get those strap-on headlights so they can garden in the dark. Those are dedicated gardeners. They're possibly crazy gardeners, but... We've all done this at least once. Um, Today may be just a let it go day. The chance of rain this afternoon will be very helpful. Very, very helpful. We are just a little bit behind already for this year. Now we finished about eight inches behind for last year. So we're in a deficit. We, it's better. It is admittedly better, but we are in a deficit right now um, for rainfall. So this is promising. It'll be nice to get some rain, get our cars rinsed off, get some of that pollen out of the air. That's uh, that's a problem. Most of us wind up with allergies. It is cedar fever season. Fortunately, fortunately, we haven't had really, really bad cedar as we've had some years, you know, where people are calling the fire department because they think that the cedar pollen dust is actually smoke 
and they're afraid there's a fire. Yeah, we, we have that happen. That's how bad it can get when it comes to cedar. So this rain can help beat down some of that cedar pollen. Of course, the mold count will go up. So it's like uh, pick your poison. You have cedar allergies or do you have mold allergies? Mold is my problem. Cedar, not so much. So, oh, well, <laughs> that's how it goes. Now, the rain here, we're talking a fair amount of rain. Um, last night when I was watching the weather report, they were talking about uh, two to three inches in my part of central Texas. That's pretty good amount. That's a pretty good amount. Definitely will not have to be watering anything. That kind of brain, that'll soak in. That'll give all of my plants and trees and shrubs and everything will get a good amount of rain. And you know, there's nothing better than rain. It's one thing to say, well, I have a well, so I can always water my plants. Now you're missing the point. There's something very special about rainwater. It is generally acidic, nicely acidic, which greatly helps everything. It's free. Uh, and it is really the thing that will get your plants to grow the best. Makes them greenest, makes them put on new leaves, makes them be the really happy, healthy things you want. So it's your best interest if you can, even if it's just sticking a five-gallon bucket somewhere outside, to collect as much of that rainwater as you can so that you can use it when you have plants that truly need it. Uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. Susan, I see you there. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Susan. Susan, what can I help you with? Good morning. Uh, I wanted to um, let you know I went to Lowe's yesterday, and this lady had donated a whole bag of little pots. Because remember you were saying about how we it, now it's time to plant seeds in, inside? Yeah. In pots or in some kind of a growing container. And so I went and they gave me a whole bag for free, which I loved. And uh -huh. I share that with your uh, listeners because you don't have to buy the tray. And then the other thing is I covered, I have, I'm the one that grew the, those 16 pink roses this year. Everyone made it through the freeze. A lot of my perennials didn't. However, the snapdragons did too. So I wanted to share that with you because everything else looks pretty mushy. But the snapdragons yeah. did great and all my roses did great. So I wanted to share that with you. You know, that tends to do it that way. Sometimes the plant you least expect to make it is the one that not just makes it, but thrives in this kind of bad weather. Uh, snapdragons are kind of delicate and 
they made it through for you. Hey, that's great. You you must. Have I couldn't done believe it. Right. And then the, my other question, uh, Jeff, is you know I have vincas and a lot of the perennials that are all mush. Do I cut those to the thir- to the ground or will they need to be replaced? Um, you can try cutting them to the ground and crossing your fingers. You would okay. be surprised how many of them may come back just fine. And if they don't, okay. well, you can replace them. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for the call, Susan. Yeah, folks, <clears throat> you're going to go out after this little cold snap we had. And by the way, yes, it was a hard freeze. And those are somewhat rare. But your plants, you're going to see a lot of stuff that top killed, meaning everything that was above the ground turned to mush. And that's how it's supposed to work. Now, again, do you need to run out there immediately and cut them down? No. That dead material is providing habitat for all kinds of things you need. Good bugs, butterflies, those kind of things are living in that dead material. And if you remove it, well, you remove their home. And you lose the good bugs that you want to be taking care of your property. You don't want to have to spray all kinds of stuff all the time. If you get the right balance of good bugs, that will take care of the bad bugs. So if you tear up everything just because they froze, right? Things are looking, oh, I look at that. That's dead. That froze. That's mushy. You don't have to remove it immediately. There is no, well, hmm, I got to be careful saying this. There is no landscape police they're not going around going whoa that that plant's dead you didn't cut it back if they are if you got an hoa that's doing that you need to get on the hoa board and tell them to get a grip this is the normal routine these kind of freezes come through they are going to top kill a lot of plants i've got about 20, 25 square feet of lantana. And up until the freeze, it was looking really good. Green, trying to bloom again. It's like, yeah, I got to put on another bloom yet. Beautiful yellow flowers. I go out and look after this hard freeze. Everything is black. There are no flowers. All of the leaves are black. It's nasty looking. I am not going to do anything to it. That's what Lantana does. When it gets that kind of cold, the top's going to freeze. You know what? This spring, when it warms up, it'll put on new growth. You don't have to run out there and cut it back. It's actually providing you benefits to not trim it back. 
is providing habitat for the good bugs we want and for the beautiful bugs we want, like our butterflies. When you have these ragged plants, you also are providing cover for many of our birds, for rabbits. They can hide in that material and stay out of bad weather, stay warm, avoid predators. That's, um, there is no, there is nobody's going to write you a ticket because you didn't trim your plants this weekend. I hope nobody's going to write you a ticket. That's just crazy, right? So, I have uh, some cedar sage that's froze back. I have some flamacanthus that has froze back. Uh, Pavonia, I, uh, rock rose, um, lantanas, my Turks caps. They're looking terrible. Esperanzas will freeze the tops. Those of you with asparagus, here was your hard freeze. You can cut those fronds down now. But I don't have to run out there and cut that back today. It's not going to make a difference. Even if it got warm enough for new growth, it's going to take a while for it to even show up any new growth. So if I cut it flush, I'm just going to look at dirt. And that's, um, no, sorry, that's not what I want. I would rather take the possibility... that I'm providing that habitat. We had a caller, uh, I can't remember, was it last week, who called in and said that she quit raking leaves on her property. She left it alone. And she has gotten huge numbers of fireflies. That's where fireflies live, in that leaf litter. That's what it's called. The leaves fall on the ground. They start to decompose. That's called leaf litter. And that is the home for all kinds of bugs. I think that would be really cool to suddenly have a whole bunch of fireflies take up residence. I haven't seen any in, what was it, five years now? We had one really good year. It was so amazing. I had to, you know, I had to ask them, are those really fireflies? Where did they come from? And we had a great year of fireflies. Everybody did. It was actually making the news. People were noticing there were so many. That's because we don't clean up. We are supposed to leave that litter there. Your, your property will not suffer. Your property is not ugly because you left it. Don't get so excited. Let, them, let nature do her thing for you. When it gets closer and warmer, cut stuff back then to allow the plant to come back. Let's go to the phone. This is Denise. Denise, what can I help you with? Hi, I have some skeleton leaf goldeneye, and it amazingly has stayed green through all of this. 
So I'm wondering at what point I would trim it up just to keep it in bounds. It, it can get kind of, it's, it's been growing there for a few years, so it's gotten a little bit out of bounds. And I didn't know if this is something that would be pruned in the spring or can be pruned in the wintertime. You could cut that back in the spring. And I would say as soon as the weather is decent enough for you to go outside and you got the time to do it, you could trim that back some. You can remove about a third of it. No complaints by the plant. And let it come back in the spring and put on new growth. So, yeah, you can trim it this spring. And um, there is a chance, you know, this is only January. February is actually our cold month. There is a chance we could have another hard freeze. So for that reason, I wouldn't trim stuff yet. Because if you trim it and we have another hard freeze, you may have to trim it back again. And I, I'm not a big fan of doing work twice. So if you can be patient, you can look at uh, trimming it in the spring when we start to warm up a little bit. And like I said, you can remove about a third of it. Okay. Okay. That helps a lot. I appreciate it. I, I just have never trimmed it. And I know that uh, it blooms in the fall and that I probably fall is not the time to trim it back. So trimming it back in the spring makes sense. Yep. All right. Thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Denise. <coughs> Folks, um, You'll have to forgive me. The allergies are kicking in this morning. Woo! Couple of sneezes this morning and uh, some coughing. Sorry, I, I try really hard not to let any of that show up on the radio here. Today's going to be a cold, dreary day. Nothing wrong with that, you know? Kick back and enjoy it. Get yourself a cup of hot tea, hot cocoa, put on a uh, sweater, and enjoy the day. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We need to take a break for the news. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You know, um, there is something you can do if you can get an open, not an open window, but if you have a window you can sit in front of, or maybe if you bundled up and you could sit outside and you were comfortable, there's an incredible number of birds that are migrating right now through Texas. So you can observe some of those. Some of them are cute little tiny ones, and some of them are some fairly large birds. But uh, there is some entertainment watching the wildlife out there. Remember, the birds could really use a bird bath. And the reason for that is they can 
preen their feathers and fluff them out really good, which keeps them warm. If they have a place to clean, to pull their feathers apart, to, to make all of that airspace the feathers cause, that'll keep them warm. We don't look, at least for this week, we don't look like we're going to freeze again. So this would be a safe time to get your bird baths filled back up. Don't forget these critters. Uh, there are some really gorgeous birds in Texas. Uh, yesterday, it was strange. I was simply walking from the house to the mailbox. And I happened to look up, and there were a pair of red-shouldered hawks just floating above me. It's beautiful. They look so good. Um, and, of course, whenever they call each other, you can hear them a mile away. Miles away, probably. Uh, but that's what's going on right now. There is entertainment outside in your garden. At night, not happy about, not at all happy about this. At night, I can hear the coyotes. And there's, um, when I first moved to where I live, coyotes all over the place. Uh, then they disappeared, and now suddenly they're back. I'm not sure that's a good thing. Let's go to the phone. This is Jim. Jim, what can I help you with? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, during this last summer, during the excessive heat, I had one of my plum trees uh, develop about quarter size inch blister marks on the side and they would puss out with tree sap. Is that some sort of disease? What what do I need to be concerned with? Will it spread to my uh, peach trees? Okay, first off, it is possible that it's a disease. Um, Prunus, the, that genus of, of trees, peaches, plums, etc., get something called gummiosis. It's what you're describing, and it will ooze out a sap. And usually if you look at the sap, it's kind of hard to explain, it will not be like dripping maple syrup. It will be almost like it's got little cube, cubic shape to it with edges and things like that. It, it's kind of hard to describe. If you look it up, they'll have good pictures of uh, what gummiosis looks like. That is a disease. It's generally not fatal to a healthy tree. Now, if your tree is old, if it's not healthy, that's a bad sign. Gummiosis is a disease that you can control. You, there are um, antifungal sprays that you can use on it to help stop it. Okay, that's one possibility. It is possible it's a pest. That, that genus of trees, the peaches, plums, that kind of stuff, 
get what are called fruit tree borers. They're an insect that bores into the tree and then like goes and crawls up the tree eating inside. You can't see them until you cut the tree down, but they're eating inside the trunk and they pop out because they're maturing in the tree and they pop out to become adults. That hole that they come out will leak sap. It's the tree's defensive mechanism to make sure that the bug's out of there and to seal the wound. So which one is it for you? Either one is something you should pay a little attention to and look up a picture of gummy osis. Okay. See which one you think you may have. Gummy osis can be kind of obvious. It's really weird how it makes a shape. If you don't think it's gummiosis and it's a fruit tree borer, the bad news is there's not a lot you can do about it. You keep the tree as healthy as you can. Because in reality, here in Texas, you will probably lose your plum or peach to old age and borers. The older it gets, for some reason, the more borers it tends to get, the more borers it tends to get, the weaker the tree becomes. Plums uh, are longer lasting, but peaches, you'd be lucky to get 20 good years out of a peach. And then the best you can do is replace it. So okay, well, I've lived in this house for uh, going on eight years, and I planted the, the peaches and the plums and two pear trees all at the same time. So my trees are about eight years. Well, they were probably two years old when I got them at the nursery. Right. Well, you've but, got uh, my, the, my the peaches, pears. Uh, my peaches have given me about two bit bushels a tree every year. So I'm, I'm pleased with those. This was the first year that the plum really gave me more than a handful of plums. And then all of a sudden that sap would ooze out and it would be about the size of a, a, a small rubber ball. Something like what we used to play jacks with. Right. So Not at all. I appreciate uncommon. your help. I'll look that up. The good thing is, those pears you put in, they should produce for about 40 years. They're much better trees here in Texas. The peaches, the plums, oh, you probably got another decade at least of good production if you take care of them. But they will uh, they will age out after fifteen to twenty years. Okay. Well, I love pear trees too because uh, I have a secret recipe that I can make any type of jelly out of pears. Uh, yep. Yep. I particularly you, like you to make wine out of pears. 
<laughs> you you make your normal recipe for canning pears or or preserves, and for every four cups of sugar, you add one package of whatever flavor you want of Jello to the pears, and that's what they'll taste like. So I yep. can have peach, plum, strawberry jelly, whatever, by using my uh, my regular recipe. Just know that every four cups of sugar I add, I add one package of regular Jello. Got it. Thank you uh, for your day. Man. Have a good Sunday, and we'll be listening to you for more tips. All right. Thank you for the call, Jim. Uh, yeah, folks, this is not unusual. Your peach and your plum will be susceptible to borers. And the older they get, the worse the chance, okay? Not at all uncommon. Let's go to the phone. This is Barbara. Barbara, what can I help you with? Hi, good morning, Jeff. Well, this is not a practical kind of call. This is more of a, a nature mis mysterious call. But just okay. as I turned the radio on, and you were talking about, I think you said the red-tailed hawk. But I know red we have red-tailed and red-shouldered hawks out here. I live in right. the country between Dripping Springs. And yesterday, I turned around to see a beautiful red-tailed or red-feathered hawk, a feather lying on the ground. And it was sort of a magic moment because, I don't know, finding feathers for me has always been really special. So I just happened to turn on the radio at the very moment you were talking about that. So I just wanted to share that moment of synchronicity and all the lovely things I've been seeing, even though it's been bad weather, like turtles through the glass on the pond, just looking at them underneath the water, walking around. Like, it's just, it's been so beautiful this, this year. The, the things that you can bump into. Absolutely right. You know, and all you have to do is look. It's no great effort. Just be observant. Nature's going to show you everything. It's just the problem is we don't always look for it. Um, I had uh, red shoulders. Uh, we do have red tails. I also have uh, what they call sharp shin or Harris, but we usually have a huge selection of birds. And we have a couple of red shoulders that are nesting 300 feet from the house in a really tall tree. They're amazing to watch. So, well, that, uh, you know, there's a we lot of a, enjoyment. We saw a nest of red-shouldered hawks raising their young up high in a tree. Um, at a special time in my life, and uh, it was, uh, it, it still re remains a very magical moment in my life when I go by that tree and look at it. I have lost a child and a husband that somehow were associated with seeing that tree and seeing those the hawks. And I won't go into all the details, but there's something very mysterious and beautiful about being very connected to nature and paying attention to the signs out there. <laughs> oh, I know. Yes, Barbara, you're absolutely correct. All we have to do is keep our eyes open. 
Barbara, thank you very much for the phone call. I uh, have to take a break here. Folks, I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, what else could you be doing today if you just can't bring yourself to kick back and relax? You just got to be out there in the garden. Um, you may want to look at removing your frost cloth if you've still got it down since we're, well, those of you in outlying areas, that's probably going to, your mileage is going to vary on that one. You um, probably are not going to, you're probably not going to need it, at least for the week. I mean, you could roll it back and, you know, roll it up, lay it next to where you're using it so that it's ready if we have another cold stretch. But um, giving your plants back to the sun for a while. For example, I have had my citrus, which is in a large container, uh, brought into my garage, brought back outside to get sun again, brought back into my garage to keep it from freezing. Today, I'm probably going to pull it back out uh, and see what it does getting some sunshine again. And it will definitely appreciate the rain. It will get um, hopefully a good soaking. I have it in a container that drains pretty good so it will get that good water that excellent acidic rain and that will really help it out that'll make it very happy now um What what can we do about the craziness? We're going to have pretty nice weather. Uh, 60s is not a bad temp. We're not going to be freezing. You'll want to put a jacket on to go outside, but we won't be freezing out. But it should be a nice gardening environment. Can we uh, look at anything we have to get done? Well, sure, there's always that possibility that maybe you need to do a little work. Maybe. Maybe you need to pull some material out of the way. The wind and the cold and the fallen leaves may be a problem. 
Okay. It gives you an opportunity to do so. We're we're hoping we're hoping that we can get decent weather. Folks, I'm having a technical problem here. People have been texting me. Suddenly, the texting tools that we use are not working. I'm getting the infamous server cannot be reached, which is a fancy word way of saying, oh, it's broke. We don't know why. Um, so if you're trying to send me pictures or text me, Right now, that's not behaving. Sorry. Um, someone texted me and asked me what kind of cactus they had. And boy, there's all kinds of varieties. It doesn't look, excuse me, it doesn't look uh, super familiar to me. I'm not a cactus guy. Um, I have a friend, she's a wonder when it comes to cactus and things like that. Um, I rely on her. I, I always give her, hey, help. I, you know, um, what kind of cactus is this? But I'm not a real uh, big cactus guy. Doesn't mean I don't have any, but I try. So let's go to the phone. This is David. David, what can I help you with? Oh, morning, uh, uh, Jeff. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, it's supposed to be another drought this year. And um, I was reading an old book about uh, 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 Texas, you know, before the cattlemen got here. Uh, they had a lot of bunch grasses, and they were what? you know, tall as an elephant's ear or whatever. And um, those bunch grasses, don't they, they don't have a tight mesh across the surface of the soil, right? It's it's all bunches, right? And so there's critters dig holes under there, and they kind of make a sewer system under there. And um, I'm just wondering, with drought planting, bunch grasses have got to be a smart idea because they lasted a million years, right? We do have turf grasses that are bunching grasses. Buffalo is the most common example. And the thing about buffalo grass, it will set, one of the reasons it's such a drought tolerant grass is that it will set a root up to eight feet deep, depending on the environment and its age. So buffalo grass by default is a great drought-tolerant turf. Now, it has its issues, of course. Seed's expensive. Uh, sod is really expensive. And um, you got to kind of hopefully tease it along to get it to do well. But once it's in place, once it's growing well, it does give that advantage of being... Uh, so drought tolerant and can survive our environment here. Yeah. Plus, yeah. It, it doesn't have to be mowed. That's a personal choice. 
it'll get like eight inches tall and uh, it, it looks great, you know, when the wind blows, it's it like, looks a like green right? water. But um, like I said, it has, it is not a, you're not going to see it become a commercial product as in somebody puts in a new development and everybody's going to get buffalo grass because it's expensive. And like I said, it's a little picky getting it going well. So if we get a development, there are good grasses. Bermuda is particularly good. It can set good roots and it does well in a drought. The problem is does well in a drought means it'll turn really brown and nasty and you know, it'll it'll look like it's all dead and the first rain you get, boy, it pops right back up in bright green and can yeah, survive yeah. this. But um, the the tall grasses, those you will see people do individually. They'll remove their lawn and do native plantings and grasses like that rather than have the turf grass culture that we've kind of grown up with. But as a commercial product, meaning brand new developments, things like that. No, it's probably going to be, unfortunately here, it's a lot of St. Augustine, but it could be Bermuda or Zoysia is real common because they're easy to grow on turf farms to be able to get it as sod. You know, could somebody uh, say like if they had a corner of their yard uh, that they didn't play on a whole lot, That'd be a good place for that Bermuda grass, right? You, if you oh. if you were saying it was expensive, you just like cast out the seeds in a certain part of the yard, and you get it nurtured along there, and then you got a seed stock for the rest of it eventually, right? Uh, Bermuda is one of the strongest traffic grasses. We use Bermuda. Did I say Bermuda? The one you were talking about, the bunch grass. The, the, the buffalo grass. But it's hard to yeah, get started. Yeah, you could, you could do an area. You can try to slowly breed out an area. Um, the problem is it's not resistant to other grasses. So if you have a little corner where you did the buffalo grass, and outside okay. it were any of the other grasses, the other grasses will slowly work their way in and choke out the buffalo okay. grass. Yeah. All so kinds of problems have, uh, with it. Uh, some planning on that one. Yeah, you'd build a, a little fence or something, yeah. Uh, or would you, you know, bury some wall? Yeah, well, the other thing I was going to raise in, in Drought planning, you know, if it's going to be another drought year, what are the other plants that used to, uh, and, and the one I'm thinking of in particular is before 1927, a massive part of the American economy, much less the Texas economy, was hemp. You know, just feeding cattle hemp was a major part of the uh, uh, income stream, but they had, you know, paper and burlap and... and uh, Unfortunately uh, for us... Know, ropes and all sorts of things they made from hemp. Texas, ha Texas has not approved that yet. They have been fighting that for a long time to do that. It has not been approved. Uh, 
David, I'm up against a news break. Uh, I will catch everybody on the other side. <laughs>